0: Uh, this morning we're starting a new sermon series, it's uh, called I Love My Church, and in it we're going to be look- looking at the vows that we make when we join, at the commitments that we make when we pledge to support the church, so that those commitments, as we heard this morning and last week, are to support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. But what does that mean, right? It's, 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 I mean, if you've been around and you've seen a few memberships, their joinings, you go, well, yeah, that's kind of our liturgy, but what does it mean? And that's the purpose of this series: is to answer that really pretty simple question. What does it mean when we make this commitment? And and so we're going to start with the first one this week, which is prayer. I mean, why pray for the church and why pray for one another? And uh, it's kind of a no-brainer on the one hand. It's like, well, because we're Christians, right? (laughs) And we're supposed to pray. But there's a little more to it. And as you would expect, there are plenty of scriptures. Uh, to support the idea of praying for one another. In fact, there are so many scriptures, I'm not going to use all of these, but in your bulletin insert on the back side of it, you have a whole page filled with scriptures for hopefully that you can take a look at over the course of the week. But let's start with uh, the fact that we are stronger together than we are alone. And I'll start with Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall... One will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and doesn't have another to lift him up again. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken. And there's an obvious here, right, That's, that when it's more than just me, when it's just more than just me, there is more of pretty much everything, right? There's Certainly there's more strength. Uh, there's <laughs> uh, way more wisdom <laughs> than if it's just me. More discernment, more love. There's more of pretty much everything when it's more than me. And so when it comes to the idea of being stronger, clearly two are better than one. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken if you look at ropes and such you'll you know you'll see the way that they're wound together when we come together When we do this, coming together in unity, when we come together in humility, when we come together as well in boldness, because that's a threefold cord that comes together in a powerful way when we're talking about prayer. When we come together and we unite in prayer, amazing things can happen. When we come together humbly before our God, and yet he says to come boldly before the throne. So we come humbly and boldly to the throne, united together, and we seek God in prayer, amazing things happen can and do happen. I thought um, what I might do is kind of just throw that out and, and, and do a testimony time and we'll do that at some point. I'm not going to do that this morning but I mean we could do that. We could throw it out and we'd hear testimony after testimony of prayers answered of, of the impossible happening of amazing things coming together. God is clear in scripture that we belong to one another which certainly infers that we are to be involved in one another's lives and this is a big challenge in the current world that, that we live in because we're Now more isolated than ever before. We get home and we put the the wrappings or close the garage door and it's like we just cellophane wrapped our house. Nobody comes and we don't go out. But Romans 12 speaks, and you know I like 1 and 2, but I'm going to move to 3 through 5. For by the grace that's been given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. There's a a togetherness in the body of Christ that is really critical for us. Together we are clearly stronger than alone. You hear me often speak to the fact that each of us is to bring who we are, to bring our gifts, to bring our graces, to bring our talents to the body. Because, and that's a logic piece, you know, because you're not me and I'm not you. So if you bring who you are, you know, be you for him, be who you are, but be who you are for the glory of God. If you bring you and I bring me, then we're naturally going to meet and reach more people. Because there are people that will connect with me that may may not connect with you. There are certainly people who will connect with you that may not connect with me. Now, look around. What if we all brought our gifts and graces? How many people can God reach in our community? Because we ain't the same, folks. And that's good. And that's good you know when we do this when we come together and we and we allow God to use each of us as we are to reach other we reach further we have more love you know that more strength we have more love we carry hope we have such a hope in Christ we have more hope to share with one another and with this community we can touch more lives we can be more impactful than any one of us can do alone it's the design of the body of Christ it's how the body of Christ is designed it's for us to come together That's one of the reasons that the commitments we make are so important for us and they can truly make a big difference when we actually follow through, when we're doing the praying for one another, when we're doing the service for one another. Jesus said a lot about prayer. Here's something he said. He said, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now there's an element of mystery to it for sure. But when we're together, something happens. God shows up. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. God shows up. You know what that makes us? That makes us stronger. Makes us stronger together. But before I go any further, let me make an assertion that you may not agree with, you might agree with. I think it's true, but let me, let me just throw it out there. The outcome of the prayer is not really the point of the prayer. The outcome of the prayer is not really the point of the prayer. And What I mean by that is that we don't control the outcome. We don't have power over the outcome uh, to much anything in life, (laughs) really. I mean, we like to think we have control over outcomes, but then if we step back with a little humility, we go, you know, I really don't, can't really control other people. So we don't have a lot of A a lot of control over outcomes. And And when it comes to prayer, that's certainly we don't control the outcome of prayer because the outcome is handed off to God. Just by We take it to him, we lay it at his feet, we come to the throne, we give it to him, and we say, here it is, God. The outcome is God's domain. The outcome is God's realm. But Mike, why bother to pray if I don't get what I want? Well, I'm really glad that you asked that question because it's a valid question, especially in light of some of... Some important scriptures like eighteen nineteen, but here's some others. John fourteen, thirteen through fourteen. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Cool, right? You know, Porsche. Just saying. <laughs> Mark 11, 24 Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer Believe that you have received it and it will be yours There are entire theologies and churches based on the name it and claim it uh, prayer, prayer process You know, so we've got these prayers that say it Basically, got, it's, it's kind of God saying, you know, ask for it, you get it, right? Isn't that the way that works? It's the, the, the wonderful magician who's going to just tap us and say, here you go You want it? You got it No? It hasn't been in your prayer life. This brings me to some critical points about Scripture and prayer that I want to kind of go through this morning. You see, it's easy to take a verse and make it into something it was never meant to be. I want to take a common one. This is taken from 1 Corinthians 10.13. It's probably 10.13. We now do A, B, and C sometimes. This is probably 10.13 B. God will never let you be tempted beyond that which you can handle, right? God's not going to give you more than you can, you can handle, right? That's Scripture. That's right. It's familiar. God will never give you more than you can handle because that would mean you have slipped beyond His grace. It would mean he's left you to fend for yourself. God will never give you more than you can handle, so be happy and keep smiling. What do you think about this? Is that God will never give you more than you can handle? you think that's true? It's Scripture. It's got to be true, right? Well, of course, I, I'm going to go somewhere else, right? <laughs> I don't think that's what God's saying. But man, we can do some really interesting stuff when we take this much of this, right? So let me look at the passage of Scripture. I'm going to give you 1 Corinthians. I'm not going to even the whole thing, but I'm going to give you 12 through 15, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fail. Paul. The temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you, allow the temptation to be more than you can stand, but when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. What? That's kind of weird. You're a reasonable people, decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true so first off just the verse 13 itself when that that's pulled out that center section it 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 presents something that I don't think God is saying because what I think God is saying is because he says when is that you're gonna be tempted you're gonna be tempted beyond what you can handle but I'm not gonna leave you alone in it I'm going to give you a way through it I'm gonna give you a way out right The temptation in your life is no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He won't let the temptation be more than you can stand. For when, when, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He's going to, you're going to be tempted. And it's going to sometimes, you know, don't tell me I'm tempted. I I won't be tempted. I won't be challenged beyond what I'm, I've worked with parents who have lost babies. Don't tell me that God, life doesn't give you more than you can handle. Because that's just not true. But our God will walk through it, the fire with you. He will not let you just linger and languish. We belong to one another. We need one another because trial and temptation will come. But he will walk with us through it. Now, this passage overall, because I think it's important to do this, the passage before what I read refers to idolatry of the Israelites, which you catch kind of in that verse 14 where it, where it mentions don't worship idols. The trouble they had, this is the Israelites and the trouble they had in the wilderness with idols and idol worship, and, and it prevented them from entering into the promised land. So Paul is referring to that because apparently in the church at Corinth, there was a question about whether they could eat food that had been sacrificed to idols. And that's the context of this passage of Scripture. That we have taken one part of one verse and made into something completely not intended. Paul addressed this in this chapter. And please remember that Paul didn't write 10.13. We did that. Paul wrote letters. He didn't notate, okay, break it right here. He wrote a letter. And then we put in verses for our own benefit to be able to help us with our study. So this wasn't sectioned up by Paul. It was sectioned up by us. So when we're reading Scripture, this is, this is critical to Scripture. When you're reading Scripture and you see something and you go, well, what is that? Does that make sense? We might need the helicopter up to look a bit broader, Right? So, what does that mean when it comes to prayer, right? When looking at topics in Scripture, when we're looking at these kinds of, of questions, it's imperative that we look beyond just that single verse. It's imperative that we, I gave you, I don't know how many passages of Scripture. They're all on prayer, and there are hundreds more. But, but that's, the purpose of that is to begin to get you to look a little bit deeper at what we're, what we're studying. Because sometimes, we, you know, if, if we get too close to something, we really can't see it. And we've got to get a little bit broader view. And when it comes to Scripture, if, 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 look, we need to get deep into certain verses and study deep. But understand broadly. You've got to see the whole picture. The Bible is meant to be read as an entire text. We need all the Bible. And so that's what we need to do when it comes to prayer. And then we can d- decide. So the, so the Bible clearly says that whatever we ask for, we get. It clearly says, wherever two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And it clearly says, says these things to us. So what does that mean? Because it's also very clear in our lives that we don't always get what we pray for. And, and, and so, so what's going on? What's the catch, right? Is God a liar? Is God not telling us the truth? Is, the scripture, is, is scripture lying to us in this context? Now... You know, I'm going to give you an emphatic, no, (laughs) no, that's not what's going on here. When faced with questions like this and answers or lack thereof that seem to contradict, we do this. We go deeper. We dive in. We go, that doesn't make sense to me, so let me study some more. Let me try to learn. Let me go hang out with some folks who have some experience. Let me go to Tuesday night at the Davis. Let me go to Sunday morning Bible study so I can ask this question. And, and, and I guarantee that whatever the topic of study is, show up and say, hey, I've got a question. And those groups will divert and go you got a question we'll deal with the question you know that will happen because that's important that we do that so in this case to understand what God is talking about what Jesus is saying is we need to dive deeper so let's dive deeper if you abide in me and my words abide in you you shall ask what you will and it shall be done it's important this uh, idea of abiding because when we abide in God, when we, when we are a part of, of what God is after, then it transforms our prayer lives. When you abide in me, you, what are you going to ask for? You're going to start asking for the things that God wants, which transforms our prayer life. It's not all about me. You ask and you do not receive. James is blunt. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Mine up here says you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. You ask and you don't receive because you're asking for your own stuff. You are asking for what you want, not concerned with what God has. But if I abide in God, I'm going to ask for what God wants. And it changes the whole dynamic, but there's more. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Or Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but here's the prayer of the righteous. Sometimes, if our heart is not in line with where we need to be with our faith and with God, it can interfere with our prayer life. Prayers of a righteous person availeth much, but if we're off track, it availeth little. That's Mike's version. 1 John five fourteen through 15. And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. It's coming back around, right? It's coming back around to when I ask for the things that please Him, the things that are within His will. That it starts to, to change the whole dynamic of our prayer life when I'm not as concerned about what I'm praying for, for me, and I'm more concerned about, I'm praying for the things that God wants. We talked about this in Circle Maker, you know, praying into the promises of God. Pray those promises because those are powerful. This First John 5 is a faith statement about prayer. It's a faith statement. We're confident that he hears us. We're confident. He's not ignoring you. He might not get you the answer that you want, but he's not ignoring you. He's not ignoring you. And when we're in that place, we can pray for the things that are God's will for us. And we can pray for the things that are God's will for others. And we pray for the things that are God's will for our world. And we can trust that the things that we receive in our life are God's will. That can hurt some. (laughs) You know, some of the things aren't. You know, I'm like, I don't like that, (laughs) you know. But it's okay because if it's God, I can trust him with the answer. Can trust him that even if I'm going through something, that God is with me, right, for that, that actual passage that he's going to give me a way through. So let me get back to an early assertion now that I've let it kind of sit there for a while. The outcome of the prayer is not really the point of the prayer. See, we receive a lot when we go to God in prayer. We're taking an action. Prayer is an action you do prayer. Prayer is an action, but it's based in humility. The mere act of praying to God is a humble act, which pushes back against pride. And man, that's something we need to be pushing back, because we're saying, I need help. We are admitting, simply by going to God, that we need help. We're asking for that help. We're trusting God for the outcome. None of which comes particularly easy for very many of us, if any of us, uh, in this room. But here's the thing we follow a Savior who uh, at Passover meal took, got up, the, the servant is the one who washes the feet of the people who come in, the dirty, nasty feet. We worship a Savior who got up, put a towel around his waist, and washed the feet of his disciples. Not done. Wrong, in fact, and yet it's what he did. Because he wanted to give them a message, and and guess who his disciples are now? Us. So that message that he gave to them is a message for us. If you want to lead in, in, in Christ's church, then get ready to serve. You want to lead, then humble yourself. Become as a servant. Wash one another's feet, whatever that looks like. That can be a figurative. It can be literal. You know, that's a very moving service. But what does it look like to serve one another? It may not be easy to humble ourselves and pray, but it is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We must humble ourselves and pray. And when we vow, when we commit to humble ourselves and pray for the church, we're embracing an attitude of servanthood, an attitude of humility that we need in all areas of our lives, every area. So we hand out this prayer list every week. You get a prayer list, and I hope that you're praying with that. that. Uh, take some time this week to pray over some of those names and some of those concerns. Uh, you can be on the prayer. There's a prayer team. If you want to be part of that prayer team, let Dolores know or Carol know. And Carol Malden, Dolores Hutchison know. Raise your hand. They don't know who you are with that. There you go. Let them know, and they'll be glad to put you on, so that you can be in prayer. But it's more than that. Grab a directory. We still have some, some directories in the back right by Gary's head. Um, grab one of those and pray through it. Yeah, they're not all coming here, but guess what? So what? Pray for the people in that directory. We have a Facebook closed group that has over 300 people in it. If you're on Facebook and you're not there, shoot me an email. You'll be there. But 300 people, pray for them. They don't all still come to Who cares? Pray for them, right? Pray for one another. Pray, pray. Pray for our ministries. Pray for the ministries we don't have yet. Pray for our vision. Pray for our building. Pray for our impact. Pray for this community of ours and, and our role within it. When we pray, when we humble ourselves and pray, we embrace humility. We push back pride. When we pray, something powerful can happen. 826. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You see, sometimes we don't know what to pray, right? Anybody? Don't know what to pray? Well, God knew that, right? So he had Paul write this. He said, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You're not alone. Many of us don't know what to pray. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God now what that means to me is quite simply when i don't know what to pray for i can do this ah! and that's a prayer because god knows what that look that's a groaning i can go Gah! And God understands because I the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is in, is in me, so when I pray, I don't necessarily have to know what to say. Isn't that cool that God knows what I need to pray for because sometimes I, sometimes help is the best I got. Help me, Lord. That's a good one. I think I woke everybody up. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but if you drive on your own anywhere and you don't know what to pray for, you got free reign, right? It's your car and ain't nobody in there. It's just cut loose. Say, Lord, help, you know? God knows the request even when we don't. That's who God is for us. Of course, we all want this one. This is... This is powerful. This is out of Acts 4. When they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. That's what I want. I want, I want to see some reverberating walls. <laughs> wouldn't that be neat if you're in here one day and the walls started shaking and, 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 and chairs started moving and it'd freak everybody out and they'd probably think it was an earthquake. But what if it was a heavenly earthquake? And, and, and all, Wouldn't that be awesome, you know, if we prayed and had that kind of thing happen? I want to see the Holy Spirit shake the walls of this building. But how about this? Maybe, if we can see the walls of a person, did you not know that you are the temple of God? You are God's building. What if we saw the walls of the temples in this place shaken? By God on a daily basis. Shaken by the Holy Spirit. (sighs) Maybe that could be enough, right? Hearts changed, lives moved. I pray for the Spirit to knock us all down, to be powerful in this place, and for walls to come down in each of our lives, walls to come down in the lives of those that we love, walls to come down in the community of ours. I, I pray for that. That's one of my big prayers. I want to see that happen. I want to see those walls come down. And, yeah, I think it would be cool if, if God would, you know, kind of split this pulpit and knock it down. That would be, that'd be awesome. But lives matter. Pulpits don't. Most of all, though, I pray for a movement, a movement to be born that brings the love of God to all people, that brings the spirit of God into into the lives in such a powerful way that nobody's the same. And I pray that I can be, if I can be this much a part of that, I mean, really, to see that happen. That's what it's about. That's what prayer can do when we commit to pray for one another. So I give you this handout of prayer scriptures this week. Please spend time with it. That's our commitment, to pray daily for our church, to pray daily for our, for our ministries, to for our members. May we be diligent in, our, in this duty of ours. Let me close with two scriptures. As if there's not enough. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God is saying to each of us, he's saying, hey, come. Yeah, I'm the one who made everything. Yeah, I'm a pretty big deal. (laughs) But I want you to come to me. So just come. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. Just come. Let me know what's in your heart and your mind. It's not that he doesn't know. It's just helpful for us to bring it. But here's the thing. When we do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You ever had peace that didn't make any sense? That's kind of how I kind of self-interpret that, the peace that doesn't make any sense to anybody else. You're going through something, and it's like you have this weird peace about what you're going through, even though you really should be all tore up. That's the peace that passes understanding, the peace that doesn't make any sense. But when we go to God, then we can receive this peace. And the other one is First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. You have probably noticed that our current world is very divisive. You may have caught that. We don't have to be. Do you hear, you know? We don't have to be divisive. We get to choose. What if we did this? What if our goal, when you wake up in the morning, how can I build, build somebody else up around me? My goal is to build another person up. Encourage one another and build one another up. If we become encouragers, we become this movement in community that transforms everything. I say yes. I say do it. I say we, that's our goal, right? Let, let's let's that way. Amen. If you don't know this Jesus that I talk about all the time, let me know. I'd love to have a conversation with you about him because he loves you beyond anything that's imaginable.